0: of those called out, called out of the world. In other words, the people of God. And it's synonymous with the word synagogue, which means the same, an assembly, a congregation of God's people. And what else is the church? Well, the church is the body of Christ. Um, we read in, in, one, in 1 Colossians 1:24, uh, "For what I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking, in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. So we we get a better understanding of what the church is. The church is the body of Christ. Elsewhere, we're told the church is the bride of Christ. And Christ alone is the head of the church. Not the Pope, not the Queen, not the Archbishop of Canterbury. No, one. Christ alone is the head of his church. And whereas the church is an assembly of Christians, the synagogue was an assembly of Jews under under God, people who gather together because they've been called together by God. So in the early churches, the called out ones, the people of God met in homes, meeting together in one of the homes of its members. Well, there's more meaning to the word church. It can mean that each home can have a church in it. It can mean that homes should have the same atmosphere, the same spiritual strength, the same fellowship, the same love, the same sense of the holy, the same guiding principles as the church. Well, as a man called Leonard Griffin expressed it, it means that our families, moving back and forth between the church and the home, encounter not two loyalties, but one, and not two sets of values, but one set of values. So how does that work out? How can we have a church in our house? Of course, this isn't always possible. Where the only Christian in the family, Uh, there's only one Christian in the family, and we have to allow for that. Uh, And the Christian in that home would go and find somewhere private to pray, like Jesus said, go and find into a a room and pray. And uh, and two of the references in the New Testament to a church in a home are to the faithful Christian couple of and Priscilla. And as we read. From our readings in Acts 16, 3, 5, and 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Aquila was a Jew. With all other Jews, Aquila and Priscilla were banished from Rome in AD 52. And apparently Paul met them in, in Corinth where they shared in their mutual profession of tent making. And we find reference to them in, in Ephesus. They may have moved to Ephesus with Paul by the time the book of Romans was written, and they drifted back to Rome And wherever they moved, they were faithful, active Christians. And we're told that at least two of the places the church met in their house. So what would our homes have to be in order for us to have a church there? Or to call it a church, church meeting. Well, we don't really mean what would they have to be to hold a Bible study there. We mean What would they have to be in order for our families to be able to say that in our house, our family gathering is the gathering of the church? Well, first of all, it would have to be a place where God is honored. Who is honored most in your home? Is it God? Is it a famous sports figure? Is it a current movie star? A singer? A political figure, etc.? The Lord should be honored in a Christian home. Christian characteristics should be evident if God is to be honored in our homes. I call it God consciousness. Um, I'm not praying every minute of the day, but I'm God conscious all day. God consciousness motivates worship and it will be a real part of life. Christian values will be actually um, stressed and followed. A minister was visiting a home when he asked for a Bible. And after searching high and low, they finally found the Bible buried under a pile of forgotten books and papers and covered with dust. And as the owner lifted it out, a pair of uh, spectacles fell out along with it. He said, Blimey, I lost those glasses years ago. He said, You should have read the book more often, the minister replied. It contains a good many things that you've lost. And if God is to be truly honored in a home, then the people in the home will be more honoured. In 1 Samuel 2.30, that famous passage, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Far be it from me, for those who honour me I will honour, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. A Christian home where God is honoured will develop into a happy home. A new relationship of mutual love, trust, and respect can grow up between the husband and wife and between the children and parents. I certainly experienced that many years ago when I became a Christian. Because my own, perhaps, <laughs> was due to collapse. And to honor God is to recognize His claims on the home and its occupants. If we are God's people then we're God's people no matter where we are. I can't only be a Christian in the church building and then go home to forget what claims God has got on my life. As a Christian, whether father, mother, husband, wife, child, I'm responsible to make my home a home where the Lord is acknowledged and lifted up and not ignored. Each of us is responsible to our family to make them know that, that we don't only worship God in a church building. We're not just Sunday Christians. We, we worship Him every day, every hour, every moment of our life by being God conscious. It's called theocentric as opposed to egocentric. You know, uh, King Saul was theocentric. He didn't restore the worship to Is- to Israel. King David was theocentric. Paul was Uh, Saul was egocentric. And we have to be theocentric, God-conscious all the time. And if we truly honor the Lord in our homes, I believe that our homes will be a place where Christ is acknowledged as Lord of the home as well as Lord of our personal lives. And secondly, to have a church in our house, it must be a place where Jesus is welcomed. By this... It means more than a plaque hanging on a wall stating that Christ is the unseen guest in this house, the unseen visitor at each meal. It means that our home is a place where Christ is seen in us, where we aren't embarrassed to speak his name and to show Christian values and to guard our speech, not using our tongues in an ungodly manner. There's nothing wrong with having a plaque on the wheel. We've got several plaques (laughs) knocking about in the house. But, you know, that doesn't mean that it's a Christian home. Uh, think of the New Testament picture of the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus in Bethany. Jesus was always a, a welcome guest in their home. He was accepted as, as one of the family. How easy it would have been in, in their home to introduce someone to Jesus. What about our homes? Is the atmosphere in our home such as where the Lord Jesus Christ would feel at home? Would our homes be a place where we could introduce our family and friends to Jesus? Or do we climb up then? You know, if Jesus is truly welcomed in our homes, then we have a home church. We have a church in our home. In fact, the teachings and practices of Christ would be a normal part of the life in that home. Prayers would be said. The story is told of two simple people who lived in a fisherman's cottage in, in a little village by the sea. And when the man came home at the end of the day, his wife said to him, the new minister uh, came by today. And he asked a question, and I couldn't answer it. He said, what did he, what did he ask? He said, well, he, does Jesus Christ live here? And what did you say? And the husband said, I don't know. I didn't know what to say. Well, couldn't you tell him that we're respectable people, he said, but he didn't ask that. Well, why didn't you tell him that we go to church when we feel like it? He said, he didn't ask that either. He said, then you could have told him that we read the Bible sometimes. He said, he didn't ask me that. What he asked was, does Jesus Christ live here? And isn't that the question we've all got to ask ourselves? Does Jesus Christ live at our house? You know, sometimes our bodies are called Christ's temple, Christ's house. Does he live there? Or do you try and hide him when certain people are there? Is there evidence to be found in our house that would prove that Jesus Christ lives there? And I don't mean the plaques on the wall. Are there unmistakable attributes of Jesus Christ in our homes? Is it evident by the attitude of our hearts, by the things that we say, by the things that we do, that Jesus Christ lives at our house? Thirdly, to have a church in our house, it must be a place where where love is practiced. Jesus spoke so much about loving one another. And love is a basic part of the Christian life. Jesus commanded us to love one another as he loved us. And such love characterizes the truly Christian home. In a sense, every home begins with one kind of love, the romantic love between a man and a woman. And as children are born to them, a new kind of love enters the home, the love of parents for their children and the love of children for their parents. And in order for it to have a bonding power, it has to mature into something stronger, and something more permanent. The Christian love of which Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13 is the love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's a binding love. You think that sometimes it bind us together, Lord. And this is a love that never ends because it reflects the love of God for us. You know, my love for my family is reflected in our blood ties, I desire to love them as my uh, flesh and blood family, but I desire to love them as my spiritual family, as my Christian brothers and sisters. Because one day, I'll part for them, from them and never see them again unless they're part of my spiritual family. You know, the saying, blood is thicker than water, is, someone said it's an anti-Christian statement. It originally meant that our physical family is more important than our Christian family through baptism. The ideal situation is where we love our family both because of our being in the same bloodline but also because we share the same Christian faith. And one of the New Testament references to a church in someone's house is in Philemon. The story is an expression of the practice of God's love. Philemon had a church in his house but he also had a slave in his household who had escaped and fled to Rome. And at Rome, he became a Christian. Now, Paul was sending Onesimus back to Philemon, not only as a returned property, a slave, but as a Christian brother. He asked Philemon to receive him and forgive him. For that to be done, love for the brethren would have to be practiced. Christian love shown to a runaway slave who was now a fellow Christian. And you're always just thinking of that. Some of our family might have run away from their Christian home. I'm sure some of you experienced that. We bring our children through Sunday school, and they say all the right things and the nice things, and hopefully they'll stick with it. But they don't always do it, or they don't seem to do. They drift away, a bit like that Onismist. They run away. And some of our family might have run away from their Christian home, but a Christian home will gladly welcome them back. In a Christian home, there's love and forgiveness. Lastly, to have a church in our home, it must be a a place where Christ is obeyed. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. The acid test for love for Christ is obedience. Because, why? Because Christ is the head of the church. And he gave himself for the church. So who's the final authority at your house? Some say quite proudly, I'm the head of the household. Some women just as proudly say, I let him think he's the head of the household. Just to make him feel good. I know of Holmes where the husband is in charge. I know of homes where the wife is in charge, and I know of homes where the children are in charge. But the final authority in our home must be Jesus Christ. Our children need to grow up not asking, does uh, mom or dad approve of this? But does Jesus Christ approve of this? Because sometimes mom and dad approve of things that Jesus doesn't. And the same can be said for husbands and wives and moms and dads. The husband shouldn't be thinking, I wonder if my wife approves of my behavior. We should be thinking, what does Jesus think of my behavior towards my wife? The wife shouldn't be thinking, I wonder if my husband would approve of my behavior. She should be thinking, what would the Lord think about my behavior towards my husband? It's being, it's being God conscious. It's being theocentric. And if we live in a out our lives in obedience to Christ the rest of our family will see that and hopefully they'll start living their lives in the same way you know it seemed that everywhere a and Priscilla went they had a church in their house they were obedient to Jesus Christ they were interested in the mission they took seriously his commandment to witness and to minister Could we be that obedient to the will of God and to the commission of Christ and his witness? What else is the church? The church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Christ alone is the head of the church. And only the church will be saved for all eternity. Only the church. Jesus is there preparing a place in heaven for his church. Not for Buddhists. Hindus, Sikhs, Islam, whatever else. He's there preparing a place for the church, his body that he died for. The conclusion. A church in our house is a real possibility. And it's our responsibility. By practicing God's love in our home, the way we act, the way we speak, the way we reflect a home that is truly committed to Jesus Christ. You know, our children listen. They'd probably know we're good to church, but they'll listen to us at home. Their little ears. They know, they'd grow up knowing hypocrisy that we claim to be Christians, but we don't act like them. You know, we have a local church, what we can visit, But we have a more regular church, and it's our homes. Amen. We're going to sing together. um, There is a fountain filled with blood. I was listening to the first verse there. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Well, that's the church. That's the church that have come under this fountain of Christ's blood and are washed and cleansed and saved in the blood of the Lamb. Let's stand and sing this together. Let us pray. Father, we thank you uh, that you saved us by dying and rising from the dead and entering into heaven to prepare a place for the people who you saved. We thank you, O Lord, uh, for our meeting this morning. We ask you to bless us throughout the day. In the Lord Jesus Christ's name, amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This evening I'll be preaching on, And they still bear fruit in their old age.